Thanks for visiting studiolighting.net. You are listening to Light Source. And welcome to episode 8 of Light Source, the official podcast of studiolighting.net. Studiolighting.net introduces photographers to portrait and studio lighting techniques and equipment. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. In today's episode, we are going to talk about single light setups and a little bit about what's going on in the news. What's new in photography? Well, one of the new things that's uh, come out is ACDC, that's A-C-D-S-E-E, has come out with a new application called ACDC Pro, which is kind of an extension of their ACDC program that they used to have in the past, well, still have, um, that allows you to organize your photo. This is kind of like a photo manager, um, raw processor, etc. It looks like everyone's kind of trying to get in on the the uh, aperture Lightroom market. That's the digital negative. Exactly. So you can check it out at acdcsee.com and follow the link for ACDC Pro. I just downloaded the demo tonight, so I'm going to be trying it out and see what I think about it. And uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about it on show night. That would be great. Um, Adobe updated their uh, Adobe Raw software too, right? Yeah, I just downloaded it this week. Um, not because I needed it for my 10D, but I uh, got a chance to shoot with a coworker of mine's uh, Nikon D2X. Very nice. And it was very nice. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I'm not jealous about is those files take forever to work with. Oh, really? I imagine. How big do you, how big were they? Uh, I don't know megabytes off the top of my top of my head, but I megapixel is double. Wow. And I was doing a shoot where we're doing a life-size cutout of somebody. Oh, man. So you needed the size. And I, I was going to shoot it with my camera, but I said, you know, I know where I can get more megapixels. That's great. So I downloaded it and I played with it. It seems like it, it, in addition to supporting new camera models, it does say that it improves redraw speed at some zoom levels and a couple other little features as well. I didn't notice any improved speed um, with the D2X files because they were huge. <laughs> But the color rendering is really nice. So, and, they, and they've added, like you said, they've added support for a bunch of the, the newer cameras, like the uh, 5D, the Mark IIn, even the Nikon D200. So yeah, it's going to support more cameras, and it does say that there are some, uh, they've tuned some of the algorithms and things like that that it does in the processing. So That's cool. even if you uh, even if you don't have one of the newer cameras that requires it, it might not be a bad idea to go download it. Yeah. Speaking of RAW, uh, if you go to Open Raw dot org slash survey um, looks like they are trying to get an idea of how photographers are using raw and they want to know some questions similar to like you know, approximately how many images do you capture with your digital your digital equipment each month uh, how often do you capture digital raw images this survey is definitely cool i mean it indicates that they're they're trying to get a good feel for where photography is at and where people are going with the with their workflow so I would encourage our listeners to go and give them as much information as as they uh, as they can. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll we'll get somewhere with it, and everyone's software will be compatible with without having to worry about uh, buying new camera equipment. I agree. Speaking of cameras and digital cameras, there was a, a new Olympus camera that came out this week that was raising some eyebrows. It was kind of interesting. The Olympus E three hundred and thirty DSLR. 
which uh, was unique in that the LCD on the back of it is live, just like a fixed lens camera. You can always see through the lens through the LCD, which is interesting. <laughs> I think this is cheating. <laughs> I, uh, it, to me, you buy an SLR because you want the experience of looking through the eyepiece, not yeah. through. You know, I, I could see a um, you know a twin lens reflex with an LCD live preview. Now that would be pretty cool. Well, it's interesting that you say that though. I mean, that's an interesting perspective because if you th like the LCD on this camera, for example, actually pops up and swivels around. So if you're thinking of just like a practical like studio application, for example, I don't know, having a live LCD preview could come in mighty handy when you're nowhere near the eyepiece. That's one thing that I thought was This is true. And then again, you know, after I said that, I'm kind of realizing that, you know, while I said that, you know, an SLR is the experience of putting it up to your eye, I'm wondering, am I being too much stuck in the rut of tradition? It's, it's an interesting thing. It's neat to watch how the technology changes. So we'll see if this is something that catches on or not. That will be interesting. I know that a lot of people have talked about like um, still really enjoying their um, their Coolpix 990s just because they can position it down and not have to be laying on the ground to compose their shots. Still, I've just been trying to do more yoga, so that way I'm get into the <laughs> weird position. So that'll help for sure. I'll tell you what, <laughs> the photography that I've been doing lately has given me some exercise for for sure. That's I should get out my rollerblade knee pads. There you go. That's a good idea. You know, I'm sure I already look a little strange, like getting on the ground on the middle of the street, like trying to get some angles of, of buildings and stuff like that. So if I was dressed in rollerblade uniform, I'm sure that would look even, <laughs> even more interesting. Well, we should put out a we should put out a call to our listeners. If you have any weird photos of you while you're taking a photo. That would be Send fun. Send them to us. That, that would, would be, be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have to we'll put up an article about that. If if, if we get enough responses, that would be something neat to see. Maybe <laughs> we'll put it on our new Flickr group, which reminds me, ah, um, we started a new uh, Flickr group for the Light Source podcast. And I have to be honest, I started it last Tuesday or so, and it's really lame. There's like six members and no activity at all except for the post that I made. So. <laughs> Everybody that's listening, if you're a Flickr user, I encourage you to come on over to the Light Source Flickr group and, and sign up and get some chit chat going on. Put yeah, your photos some, up. I was going to say, drop some photos into the pool and we can chat about them. And uh... Absolutely. And that would be a good place. Incidentally, some people have asked me in the past, you know, would you guys mind looking at a photo of mine or whatever? And certainly we would. But it would be a lot easier to look at them if you put them up on Flickr than, you know, trying to email files back and forth and stuff like that. Oh, that'd so, be a great place to do it. Yeah. So it's a good, good kind of community thing that we could get going on top of this. And incidentally, some of the photographers that we are interviewing on the show are also like signing up as members of this group. So it could be interesting to see some of the interaction that goes on there. Yeah, well, I know we have a, a ton of subscribers, so it'd be really great to, uh, to see some of the work that you guys are doing. So absolutely. Well, we got through some of the new stuff. Um, what have uh, what have you been working on photographically? Actually, my son's one year birthday is coming up, so we've um, we've been looking through all of the photographs that we've taken over the past year, and um, there's a lot of them. And I'm trying to That's put something. the case with year one. I know it's crazy. So I'm trying to put something together, like to make a DVD out of all these photos. You know, make some use out of them, pass them around to some of the family members. So I've been screwing around with some of the software that's out there for making slideshow DVDs and, and such. 
I did that for Christmas presents. So, um, oh, good. What, what software are you, are you using? Today I was playing with, um, yeah, Picture Show 4 by Ulead, and it was, uh, it was really good. It, it basically, you know, allows you to bring all of your photographs in and whatever kind of audio you want and allows you to generate the files that make a DVD. It allows you to burn right to a DVD, or you could burn, like, SB, SBCDs or normal VCDs as well. Oh, nice. And, again, I don't know if, if you have much experience with those or if our listeners do, but... If you're burning an SVCD or a VCD, which stands for video CD or I guess a super video CD, right? Um, you want to make sure that your player that you plan on playing it back on supports those formats. And that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, most of the modern DVD players, like newer DVD players at least, should recognize them, but it's definitely something worth checking. You might just want to play it safe and make a DVD. But that's what I've been experimenting with. Actually, when I was playing around with doing DVDs, um, I was looking at the various software because I wanted to do a video podcast for the Ed Hidden Photocast. Right. And I was trying to see which ones of these software applications would do the DVD, but would also export like a, a QuickTime file or a Windows Media file. Something you could publish on the web, for example. Exactly. Something I could play with a little bit more in, in QuickTime Pro or something like that. Um, I had a copy of Photodex, and I think it's Photoshow. I think it's Photoshow Gold. Okay. I believe we had talked about it in uh, episode one. Yeah, I remember that. And it's really nice for doing screensavers and VCDs. Now, you have to buy some of the higher-end versions to do DVD and do some more of the custom features, you know, custom transitions and right. you know, pan and scan of a, a shot and things like that to add motion into your still slideshow presentations but i ended up liking probably because i use the adobe video production bundle at work so i i like using after effects but i wasn't about to buy it for at home (laughs) yeah it's a big it's a big investment for somebody just making cds for mom and dad (laughs) exactly and i don't know why it didn't hit me sooner but i ended up purchasing adobe premiere elements nice which has a lot of the functionality that the premiere pro has does certainly everything i wanted to do for doing a slideshow that's a great idea premiere elements which is reasonably priced and certainly very competitive in this and maybe even more powerful than what i'm dealing with yeah i just looked it up before the show and um the retail price on the elements premiere elements photoshop elements bundle is 119 oh great yeah so you can get photoshop as well if you're I mean, you might as well, if you're doing photography, that's a really good addition. If you don't have Photoshop. Yep, absolutely. So so you were doing that, and I've been looking at updating my website and looking at uh, presentations online. Which is edhidden.com. Right. And there's a little plug there. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) You got your back, man. Um, But if anyone's gone to the photography link on my site, they would see that it's dead, and I need to get it updated. Some of these programs do export web components to them but uh, like i think the photodex one requires like a special plugin and i i would prefer to publish in like a flash format or something that i know that the vast majority of my site visitors are going to have already so you're talking about like a gallery now not necessarily a, a movie or whatever slideshow I, I, what i would love to do is take one of the Flickr slideshows mm-hmm. that you can roll through 
and just take that thing and put it right on my site. Outstanding. And there is a site called Flickr Toys that allows you to do that. And we should put a link to the in the show notes if anyone's interested in doing that on their site. But I ran into some issues with importing that into WordPress, which is the uh, publishing software that I use for my site. Gotcha. So I'm working on figuring that out. But aside from that, uh, a friend of mine sent me a link to a new site called slideshowpro.net. And it's really slick. It has a really nice presentation to it. Um, very nice dissolves between your images. And it's actually a behavior that you add into Flash. It's I believe it's oh, Flash okay. MX 2004 or version 8. Great. I haven't gotten completely into it yet, but it looks like it's pretty robust in, in the things that it can do. So I'm anxious to play with it. it. It's 20 bucks. I looked at the uh, I looked at the demo and I was impressed. I mean, to be honest with you, it looks like it's pretty powerful. Pretty, you know, you get a lot for 20 bucks for sure. It looks very professional, and I think it like links out to an XML file, so you can add oh, you nice. know, a title and a description. So if someone rolls over the image with their cursor, it'll drop down like a description box. It actually drops it in. You can see it like in motion, like it sliding into the play. It's so, I mean, it's no, really awesome. really cool. If it's as easy as what it says it's going to be, hopefully there'll be another demo to check out on edhidden.com. All right, we'll keep that in mind. I'll make a news entry when you get it up and running. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's newsworthy, but hey, cool. Well, we'll make it newsworthy. So I thought we could do a, an audio article tonight and talk about one light setups for portraiture. One light? Single light, yeah. For those folks that are just starting out or actually like a challenge <laughs> i thought you had to use eight yeah that's sometimes true um if one is if one is good more is better right yeah well i thought i thought it would be appropriate since we just when we talked to david uh, goldman he was kind of teasing about folks taking too much light i thought it might be appropriate to follow up with an with a discussion on minimalism in terms of approach to lighting one light source is a good good topic um i find that that's where i always start when I'm doing pretty much any light setup, I take my, my key light and you know, I position it where I think I want it and then add to it as I need it. That's a really good point. And, and basically, I've, I've heard a lot of folks say that um, a lot of your other lights should really be thought of as accent lights. Even fill lighting, for example, is really just to accent the main light. So it's really important to know what you're doing with that one main light. And you can get some really, really dramatic lighting from that single light. Absolutely. You can do an awful lot. In fact, a lot of old time photographers, you know, that's all they had or all they would use is one large light and they became masters of it. These guys could light their background and the subject and other parts of the scene with the same light and just really make amazing photographs. Now, when you when you work with one light, how do you find position plays into your shot? I mean, where do you where do you like to position that one light? Positioning is absolutely the key to this discussion because where you place the light uh, really affects the total feel of the image and not only where it is in terms of how far it is from the subject but I like to envision a semicircle around the subject sort of like a half dome and the light can be moved anywhere along that semicircle and totally change the look of the photograph what dictates that for me anyway is, is what I'm what I'm looking for in the photograph. If it's something that I want a lot of contrast or texture, then I'll make sure that the light is off to one side so that I'm getting some good hard shadows. But if it's something, you know, more of a flat lighting situation, then you would bring that closer to the camera or closer to the front of the uh, subject. 
Now, actually, I was doing a little bit of reading about placement today on on lights and how, aside from where it is in that that sphere dome, when you're doing yours, where do you place it in terms of like distance from the model? Um, I think another thing you're going to have to consider there is going to be like the size of your light source. If it is a single light, that it could still be a lot of different types of single lights. You might have uh, no modifier, or you might have a softbox, or an umbrella, or a shoot-through umbrella. Um, so to me, that plays into it as well. If it's a nice and a big, soft light source, like a softbox, or like a, a medium or large size umbrella with a diffuser on it, I like that to be nice and close to my subject to kind of wrap around the subject and give me nice, soft lighting. Um, Me too. That's that's what I like to do. I like to put it as close as I can to the model without it being in frame. Right. In the frame or in their eye. <laughs> you got to watch. Like My umbrella has a rod that sticks out pretty far. Sometimes I, I get a little too close for comfort with that. But yeah, the closer, the closer you get to the subject with a large light source, it's going to wrap around more um, and give you that soft feel. Now, maybe that's not what you're going for in an image, so you'd want to back off. And actually, we have an article on the site about how distance to the subject affects the photo, you know, the, the subject and the shadow and light co contrast. And there's some example photos of that. So I'll link to that article in the site as well. Now, I know this kind of gets a little bit away from the the, the single source light, but um, because you can add reflectors and things Absolutely. like that to help shape the light a little bit more. Sure. I think that's an important part of single light setups. You're, you can, you know, bring other elements in, uh, reflective elements into the scene. And that oftentimes saves you from having multiple lights. So that's a good point. Do you use reflectors a lot? I do use reflectors. Actually, I, I use a couple different reflectors. Um, I have one that I purchased that I wanted to use uh, out and about and things like that, bouncing a flash into it or, um, you know, just shaping available light that I have. And it's a, a Lasta Light Tri-Grip reflector i love that thing you've it had that over that's a great reflector it's big too it's huge and it's triangular that was one of the things that really attracted me to it is because it, it's triangular and at the small end of it it has like a thick um like a grip to it and it's not like just that um the rim area that that's around some of the pop-up reflectors now this is a pop-up but it has like a handle to it and you can use it almost like a gun grip and and hold it in shape uh, and control the light a little bit easier than you would needing two hands on say some of the round reflectors i've seen so if you have an assistant you don't need to have a separate accessory to hold this thing it's actually has its own handle and you can support the entire reflector with the handle which is really nice yeah it's very easy to use from behind the camera or if you do have an assistant it's easy for them to hold it it almost looks like a big scoop and right. it's almost like they can scoop the light out and like hold it out a good a good three or four feet from them that's a great way to think about it so now we ha now we're talking about a single light source which maybe is um maybe at a 45 degree angle from the subject and then the reflector on the other side the left side of the camera for example to perhaps lessen the contrast and change the feel of the image a little more right now actually when i'm working in a studio i use the, probably the cheapest reflector known to man and that's foam core board. Yeah, that's a great thing to bring up. Foam core is a wonderful thing. And when I did, I went to an art store. I didn't just go to local supplier. I went to a really nice art store and I bought, I think the sheets were like four foot by nine foot sheets of nice. foam. Okay. And they were really great. I cut a, a score line right down through the center 
and then I chopped it off so it would fit in my you know eight foot ceiling basement. And I stood it up on end and folded it in a V. Oh, okay. It makes a stand. It makes a huge full body reflector. That's great. So how does that perform for you? Excellent. It does a great job. Um, I can use it to flag off a light if I need to, in addition to using it as a bounce. That's a really good tip. We'll have to show some some pictures of your setup there because I've seen it and it's really neat. That's a great oh. suggestion. I've used it with the V facing a model and because was putting the alien B in the middle of the V and shooting into the crease of it and kind of get like a strip light effect from it. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that you can do with the $17 big sheet of foam core board. Let's go back to a single light setup for a second. One thing that I think people find to be challenging with single light setups is the background and light spill. Exactly. You can use that to your advantage. Depending on where you place the light, you may be able to wash the background with a nice gradient in addition to lighting your subject. Uh, that's one thing that is, it takes a little practice, but you can really get a cool combination. Uh, I've even had situations where I've just about been able to make my background completely white with the same light that's lighting the subject. Now with digital cameras, that's a little tricky just because of blowing out your highlights and such, but it's definitely doable. And another effect that you can do with a single light if you want like a more dramatic image, you could actually bring the subject much further out from the back background and and not allow any light to really fall on it or block it with a gobo or some kind of well piece of foam core even, as you mentioned. And then you'll have more of a dark background. And depending on how you turn that light, you can vary the gradation of the background, which is kind of neat. That's some excellent ideas. And you don't have to have a separate background light. And another thing that I thought would be interesting to bring up i've i've seen people use when they have a single light as the main light and maybe a reflector for a fill i've even seen them use a mirror for a hair light i was just gonna bring that up really have you done that i've i've seen it used i haven't personally used it um i've tried to find the mirrors that they had suggested one of the dvds that i had suggested using acrylic mirrors okay now, I'm not really certain of a supplier for them, and I really didn't look too hard for them, but someone said like a local art supply store would be okay for those. Is that just for durability or? I think it's for if it, um, you know, if it falls, you probably don't have glass that's going to yeah. shatter all over the place, and it still has the reflectance of, of a good quality mirror. But that's a great suggestion because the smaller the mirror, of course, the, the smaller the reflection that it gives off, and you could even use it as a very narrow a hair light or like a accent light that's very specifically aimed at something. That's exactly what I've seen them used for. It's pretty neat. And actually we should also talk about light panels too. Oh yeah, that's a great thing to bring up. Now you're talking about like a diffusion panel? Um, yeah, the ones I was thinking about were like a, they're kind of like a light silk and they go inside of like a, it's like a PVC frame that's probably about like a four foot by eight foot and it stands supported all by itself. Okay. Now I've used those with a speed light behind it. Before I had my, my alien bees, you know, I had this setup where I had my PVC frame and I had a kind of like a white cotton. Uh, so it looked like a big soft box. And then I just put my speed light behind it, fired it into the, the diffusion panel. And then that came out to the model looking very soft boxish. Yeah. That's actually what you're doing then is building a giant soft box. I think we talked a little bit to um, Mark Robert Halper about that when he did some of his bed project. He was using large um, silk, basically panels or sheets, and the light source was behind them. 
and I've I've read a, a number of articles where people swear by that method as as a main light source, where you just have a large diffusion panel or some kind of translucent material, and then a, a normal light behind it, which is illuminating that entire surface, just like a softbox does. And then if you buy, if you have a couple of these light panels, you can get them with either a clear or a silver or a black as well. And you can use it to, to flag off lighting as well. Right. And that's one consideration, certainly with just having a, like a bare bulb or a bare, uh, small six or eight inch reflector in your studio is you're going to get a ton of crazy spill light. So you got to be careful with where that light ends up and like a black diffusion panel could be used really well for something like that, kind of restricting the the spill light in that situation. I think those are all some really, uh, really good examples. And maybe that we should try and make that as an exercise for people to, uh, to add to the Flickr group for the, till the next show comes out, play yeah. around with one light and absolutely let's let everyone post something and see what we come up with. Yeah. And always, if you have a unique lighting setup or something that you've done inexpensively or you want to share with people, that would be a great place to do it. And we can also put stuff like that on the website. So we encourage you guys to do that. That's one thing I love doing with Flickr after I do a really, a really nice creative shot. I'll, I'll oftentimes step back from the, and shoot a picture of the set. That's a great suggestion. And you learn so much from that. Like you can go back a, a year later and see, you know, your portrait in one frame and look at the setup and be like, oh, yeah, I remember how I did that. <laughs> That's really handy. And it's a great thing to document for yourself or you know, to even share with others on the Internet. I've loved when people have, have shared stuff like that on the various forums that I read. Absolutely. You can really learn a lot from looking at photos of setups like that. So encourage everyone to jump in, get involved. That's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for links to the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you'll also find links to our photography and kind of keep up on some of the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget you can send us questions or feedback about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll either try to answer those questions on the show or on the forum in the lighting's question section. Or you can get feedback on your photos at our new Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Until next time, take care.